Cool. Hey guys, I'm Kevin Mooney. I'm an alcoholic. Um, thanks for uh, for having me as as part of this this day, because um, what we do here is so critical to the survival of people like us in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, so what we do have, for me, the steps are never you never tease them apart into their own individual parts. They all kind of link together. And we've had some great speakers today who told us about the problem, the physical craving, that mental obsession in step one. And that mental obsession is, is, prevents me from staying sober. So I gotta come to a higher power of my own understanding, as we talked about, in order to make that decision to change. Um, so I wanted to start there with the fourth step to link it because of the, the third step and four, five, six, seven, eight, nine were always meant to be linked together. So there was never the intention of I'm going, to re- I'm going to do my third step, and then I do nothing. Um, it was always intended that we, it implies further action, so we continue to move. And one of the people in my support group has a really great analogy I thought would work well today. Um, this idea that uh, she's sitting in a burning room on a couch, um, and there's one way out. But the, it's a pathway that's blocked with bags and garbage and old food and and boxes and washing machines and sinks and there's no way she's getting out but she's sitting on this couch in this burning room so she knows what the problem is powerlessness she knows that in step one and that doesn't save her knowing the problem doesn't do anything Um, step two she knows the solution she's got to get out of the burning room and knowing the solution doesn't do anything either and then in step three she made a decision to actually leave the burning room but if she doesn't take any action, she dies in the room. So we can do one, two, three, and we're not gonna do anything because we haven't unblocked ourselves from our higher power, which is how we are relieved of the mental obsession. So what she did is she made a decision to go organize all the boxes and the sinks and the dryers and all the garbage and all the junk in there, work with somebody to get rid of it, um, remove it, and start changing. And that's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So that um, is really clear to me. And and so right after the third step, and again, the third step is really, do you want to change the way that you think and the way that you act? That's all it is. That's what it is. And the turn it over is actually, the turn it over is change. There's not a huge cathartic event in step three. It's just not according to the big book. Um, And what the big book actually tells me is something quite different. So at the bottom of 63, it says, after we do our third step, we wait 18 months before we do the fourth, no, I'm sorry. It doesn't say that. It says next, which is now. We launched out on a course of vigorous action, the first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. Though our decision in three was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to, to face and to be rid, rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. So what the third step transition to four tells me is that after I make my third step decision, I'm still blocked off from God. I'm filled with guilt, shame, remorse, anger, frustration, resentments, fears, you name it, and all that stuff is that hallway, and it's completely blocked me off from my higher power. So I gotta get down to my fourth step and, and take this, this searching, fearless, moral inventory. Um, and so when the big book picks it up, I, uh, there's a couple things that my sponsors had told me, and really simply, that we have three basic instincts of life. I have a social instinct, which is like to be liked. I have a security instinct. I like to know no one's about to put a knife in my back. I like to be secure with my surroundings. And a sexual instinct, which is pretty self-explanatory. For most, it it just perpetuates the human race. Um, But what happens with us is because I'm so self-centered, if you threaten me in one of those three areas, I'm going to react in one of three ways. I'm going to resent you, I'm going to fear you, or I'm going to harm you. Or I might do all three. And that's why they want us to look at that stuff. Those are the... Those are the common manifestations that block us off from our higher power. So the book says, um, we start upon this step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding, which is searching, and a fact-facing, which is a fearless uh, process. It is an effort to discover, to discover the truth, and the definition of moral is truth. So it's not an immoral or an amoral inventory, it's a truthful inventory about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damaged and unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. Um, if the owner of a business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. 
So the idea here is pretty simple. If I, if I own a grocery store and I have an inventory of things that I can still sell that are good to eat and things that I can't sell because they're not good to eat, I don't want to get rid of both. I want to get rid of the junk I can't eat. Um, so I need to be honest about my values and figure that out. And that analogy has always been pretty interesting to me. So they start us off with resentments and for me, the columns are really purposeful. So there are four columns of the fourth step and they have three to four big chunks of things we're looking at. Resentments, fears, my sexual conduct, and then harms that don't quite match up. And what's fascinating, if you think about it, if you want me to write down anything related to my sexual conduct, that's not happening. Um, and then if you go backwards, you want me to write about my fears? Well, I don't have any of those. I'm not gonna admit that. So I'm not doing anything in the fourth step. But if you ask me to start with my resentments, man, I know exactly who I'm resentful at. And it's a very manipulative way the book gets us moving on the fourth step. Um, it also, when I was given the instructions of 64 to 71 with my sponsor, I couldn't wait to do the fourth step. I'm not one of these people that was afraid of it or anything. Because what I heard in my sick mind was, you just gave me a stage upon which I can vent all the people who screwed me over. And so if I was looking at the first column of the, the people that had harmed me, oh my God, this is the greatest thing in the world. I would just, Tom, Dick, Harry, Harry's brother, Harry's sister, Harry's dog, all the way down the list. And I just, I was empowered by that. And then I got to the second column, the cause. And I thought, AA is getting better by the minute. Now I get to write down how you screwed me over. Screwed me over, screwed me over, stole my money, stole my girlfriend, boom, 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 all the way down the line. And then I got to this third column of how does it affect me? And I just went, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know it. That doesn't even translate to me. And my sponsor and I had to, to look at it slowly through the book and, and get me to actually start putting some of that um, pen to paper in order to start understanding it. And then I'll get to the fourth column in a bit. But, but that's one of the tricks of the fourth step. <clears throat> the other is when you go column to column, when I wrote down that first column, and you just do all the way down the column and exhaust that first column, um, I thought it was the people that made me upset. And then after I finished that second column of the cause, I realized it wasn't the people, it was actually what they did to me. And then when I did that third column, I realized it's really not what they did to me, it's how it affected me. And then when I got to the fourth column on page 67, I realized it's not about that at all either. It's about my part in this, in this journey um, so here's the instructions. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease. For we, have not, for we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady through the steps is overcome and we straighten out mentally, the mental obsession is removed. Uh, and then we straighten out physically in the world. So it's not my physical body, it's being with you physically in the world. So we straighten out spiritually, to straighten out mentally, to straighten out in the world around us. Um, and then it tells us instruction number one, the first column. In dealing with resentment, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. Um, and I alluded to the fact that I did that. I wrote down this list of everything. They have the instructions on, on um, 65. Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, you know, down the road. They're giving us a really good example of, of what to do on 65. Um, it's not to be huge detail. We're not trying to write a novel. I don't have to write everything down because the reality is a lot of the stuff is discovery to me early in sobriety. And it might take me a month to resolve one of these issues through the steps. It might take me 16 months or it could take me 30 years. Um, but the reality is we're just getting the notes down, a quick check off so that we can talk about it when we get to five. So when I was done with that and I started learning this formula, we looked at instruction two. We asked ourselves why we are angry. Um, in most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, personal relationships were hurt or threatened. So I looked at, you know, the cause of what was going on. Um, and so an easy one for me would be I'm resentful at my boss if I'm going to go across. And the cause, he fired me. It's pretty simple. Um, after I exhaust that column, instruction number three on the top of 65 says, on our grudge list, because now I'm writing my grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries. Uh, was it my self-esteem, security ambitions, personal or sex relations, which have been interfered with? 
Um, and this is the spot that it was kind of tough for me. I didn't, I didn't really, I couldn't equate my feelings that well, and I didn't really know how I'd been harmed. All I knew is that this guy was a jerk because of what he did. He fired me. How does he fire me? I've got a, I've got a wife, I've got kids, and this guy fires me. Out of nowhere, this guy fires me. Um, so what's really interesting, I'm going to hold off on the fourth column for a second. The book is pretty cool because, for a lot of reasons, this is one of them. We do one, two, and three, right? And I think most people kind of stop there. And it says, we went back through our lives, nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. When we were finished, we considered it carefully. The first thing apparent was that this world and its people were, quite, were often quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us had ever gotten. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Um, and what they're telling us here is that the only information we have so far is my boss, I'm resentful of my boss because he fired me and he hurt my feelings. That's all I have. So it's all about my boss. Um, and they're preparing us on page 66 and 67 for what's coming. And I didn't really realize what was coming, but I realized that I was really mad and I felt really hurt with my boss. Um, and it says, it's plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise ex extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile? But with the alcoholic whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, through the steps, this business of resentment is infinitely grave, which means death. We found that it is fatal, which means death. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. So all this stuff that's blocking that hallway for my freedom to get to the other side and to get to the first responders, I'm now inventorying this junk. Um, and it's telling me that this is blocking me off from my higher power. And we've already confirmed that I am beyond human aid. My brain cannot keep me sober. I cannot go, don't drink, go to meetings. That defies the first step. I am powerless over alcohol, which means my mind at some point, today, tomorrow, in a week, is gonna work its way around to me to pick up the first drink. And I have to have a defense against that. Um, and it's telling us that, that resentments are gonna be one of these primary blocks. A little further down the page, it says we turn back to the list, for it held the key to the future. And what they're starting to point us to is, is the fourth column of the fourth step. That is the key to the future. We're prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. Not that I'm, I'm hurt because my boss is a jerk because he fired me. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had power to actually kill. How could we escape? So then we have our resentment prayer at the bottom of 66 to 67. And it says, perhaps my boss is spiritually sick. Perhaps not but perhaps he is. So I'm not making a judgment call and saying my guy is spiritually sick. I'm saying perhaps he is. Um, and if he is, then God, please bless this guy. And if he's not, then God, please bless this guy because I feel really hurt. Uh, but what it does is it, it starts us in that process of trying to learn compassion and trying to understand that there might be something else going on in this situation other than my boss being a jerk. Um, and lo and behold, a little further down, on the page, I get smacked in the face. On page 67, referring to our list again, okay? Putting out of the minds the wrongs others had done, so my boss firing me, we resolutely looked to our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? This was so eye-opening to me um, when I saw it. And when I started looking at it, um, from that new perspective, which was, where was I being selfish, dishonest, and considerate and full of fear with this situation? Well, let's go over it. My boss has got a small business, um, a small family-owned business, and I'm his primary sales guy, and I keep embezzling his money, and I don't show up at meetings, and I've lost 30% of his accounts in the last year. Maybe I'm being selfish, and I had a part to play in me getting fired. Was I being dishonest? Oh my God, I lie to this guy 18 times a morning. Um, everything I do is a lie. I'm cheating, I'm stealing, I'm doing all this stuff. Um, and I get mad at him when he catches me. Am I being resentful? Am I, I stuck in this um, inconsideration? Am I being um, dishonest? You just kind of look at that stuff in that fourth column of the fourth step and it changes everything. And here's why I think it changes everything. Um, it's one of the most important throughputs of the rest of the steps. I identify my character defects in the fourth column of the fourth step. 
I then talk about my character defects in step five. We focus squarely on the fourth column in the fourth step. In step six, I ask for some willingness to get rid of the character defects. In step seven, I ask God to remove the character defects. In step eight, I make a list of the people I had harmed based on my character defects. In step nine, I make amends to people based on my character defects. In step 10, throughout the day, I inventory for my character defects. Because I'm not perfect at night when I go to bed, on page 86, I have a catch clause which looks at the character defects one more time. And then in step 12, I practice these principles and try to take those defects and turn them into assets. So this is the key to the future, the fourth column and the fourth step. And that's what I started to see. When I started my fourth step, I really believed that um, like 99% of what I was writing was somebody else's fault. Um, and it started getting uncomfortable as I was getting through the process. And, and as I got deeper into it, I started sensing that maybe that wasn't the case. Um, what's, what's fascinating here is that if we um, understand the formula now, I have four columns, pretty simple. I'm going to use the same structure for my fears, my state of fear that I'm in. And by the time I've gotten to it, like I'd started with, I've already gotten used to the problem or the, the formula in doing the resentments. So now the fears aren't as hard to stomach. I can start maybe acknowledging the fact that I'm a little bit afraid of things in my life. And by the time I finish that, I can get to the sexual conduct and it's not as taboo and it's not going to be as hard because I've actually learned how to do the formula. And it's the exact same formula. Um, and then at the end of it, if there's something that doesn't quite fit into any of those things, but it's someone we hurt, we write that down. And my example would be um, girl in red dress at a bar. Okay, that was who. What did I do? I, I hit her in the head with a beer bottle that I threw across the bar. <coughs> no idea who this person is, but I hurt her. Um, how did that affect me? Ooh, I didn't feel really good about it. my self-esteem. I hurt a woman. I just, my God, it was horrible. She might have had a scar across her face. She could end up in the hospital, and I ran out the back door. Um, and then was it selfish? Was it dishonest? What is it inconsiderate? Was I full of fear? You know, when we start inventorying this thing, it all becomes my inventory and not the inventory of the other people. So that's the formula. Um, and you can look at it very simply from that perspective as you go through the text, because the text is just telling us um, the same thing with different words. So Bill was a really smart writer, and he knew that if you use the same word over and over again, you look like a moron. But if I can change it, I can call it shortcomings over here, and I can call it defects over here, and I can ask a question in fears that's a little different than the question in sex, then um, I look brilliant. But the reality is the formula doesn't change. You know, if it was the sex conduct part of the fourth step, who did I hurt? Sally. What did I do? I used her to get to her best friend. So it doesn't have to be physical sexual contact. It's just the idea of sex in the head. Um, what we do with ourselves, uh, with other people. Um, how did it affect me? Yeah, I didn't feel great about it, but I kind of got where I was going, you know? Um, all that stupid stuff. And was I being selfish? Absolutely. Was I dishonest? Completely. Was it inconsiderate? Unbelievably. Was I afraid? Yes, because she's a really nice girl, and I just used her. Um, and so all that stuff is the same formula. And when we get that down in black and white, and we've been as thorough and honest as we can be. And again, we don't have to be perfect. I had a guy literally tell me, he came to me and asked, can you help me with the fourth step? Because I've gotten confused. And I said, well, what were you in, your instructions? And he said, well, I was, told to take, I was told to take a year of my life at a time and not let it be shorter than 25 pages a year. And he was on like 450 pages. And I sat with him and I, I said, Eddie, I'm really sorry, but whoever did that had the power to actually kill you. Um, what we do in here with the first 100 is they wanted us to get into this to remove the mental obsession. We've got to, like I said, we've got to get to the spot where we can unblock that, that stuff. So now I've got an inventory using a very simple formula of all the junk that's blocking me in that hallway and I'm still sitting on the couch and the room is still burning. But now I know kinda if I arrange things a certain way I might be able to get a little space and get some air in the room um, and the process is about to begin. 
So that, for me, is basically the fourth step. It doesn't have to be um, overly complicated. We like to make it complicated. But if we can just keep, again, when I'm going to do the fifth step, I, don't, I, don't, I never want my guys to read me the history of their lives. Because, number one, I don't care. Um, and I'm not going to remember. Right? I love them, and I want to know what their defects are. Because that's what we're going to focus on. I don't... I get the stories, it's kind of like the Starbucks AA. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm not doing so great. Oh, you want to go to Starbucks for three hours and talk about it? Sure. And three hours later, that's good fellowship, but we haven't gotten a solution because we haven't applied the steps to it to actually get to the solution. So somewhere in that conversation, if we actually can get to the input, the steps into everything that we do, we actually get to the right solution. Um, so there you go. There's 20 minutes. Let's do it. All right, step five. All right, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. So when we start, um, when I take my guys through the steps, I, I take them right through the book, right? We have confirmed today that you cannot sponsor without the big book, right? Okay, good. And we sometimes see that in the program. So chapter six, into action. It's not entitled, not, it's not into thinking. Um, it's into action, and, and we're going to take some action in steps 5 through 11 in this chapter um, to get us really where we need to be going, which is, again, the removal of that mental obsession. And so I'm going to just start reading on, on 72. It says, having made our personal inventory in step 4, what are we going to do about it? We've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator, and to discover the obstacles in our path, the things that have been blocking us, mostly character defects. We have admitted certain defects. We have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We have put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory, which are the defects. Now these are about to be cast out. This requires action on our part, which when completed will mean that we have admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another person um, the exact nature of our defects. So the only way for the character defects to be cast out is through action. And that first part of that action after the fourth step is going to be this, this intimate conversation. And for me, the fifth step wasn't me sitting down with my sponsor and like unloading a big garbage bag of Kevin Mooney to my sponsor and having him just sit there listening to me. Um, it was a very specific two-way discussion. Um, and here's what it started looking like when I started it. We read, I'm going to read a little more, but when I started it, I... Uh, I started talking about my resentments, and I wanted to tell the stories. I wanted to talk about my boss and how much I hated him and blah, 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 blah. And he moved me to the fourth column of the fourth step, and it was really hard. And then I thought to myself, well, with the next one, I'm going to be talking, because that's my girlfriend. And then I talked about my girlfriend, and blah, 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 and he just, like, cranked me over. And I'm like, ah. And then I came back over, the other girlfriend, ugh. And then he moved me over. And before I knew it, this pattern of shifting really quick started where I got to a point where I was naming the person, telling them what, what they did or what the cause was, how it affected me, and then boom, we were spending a lot of time on me being selfish and dishonest and inconsiderate and full of fear. And that, by the time I was done with my fifth step, I knew that 99% of what I had written down in four and what I just talked about in five was of my own making. And what a great... What a great realization. I can't change anybody in this room, um, but if I work and I do the action that I'm asked to do in the steps as it's outlined in the big book, then me and my higher power, we can change me by me doing the work and God providing the power. Um, and so the key to that is, is exactly that point. I got a baseline <clears throat> out of my fifth step and I met someone who I'd never known before someone I've been hiding from and running away from, and quite frankly, someone who I didn't like very much. I, uh, I remembered being 12 years old, and, and um, I, was, I was an all-American kid. I wasn't uncomfortable in my own skin. I thought I could run the country better than Ronald Reagan. And, uh, you know, seven years later, I'm flat on my back in Alcoholics Anonymous, filled with shame and guilt and remorse, and I can't stand looking in the mirror. Um, so I got a real good look at, at who I was, and, and uh, I'm going to walk you through how I, how I did that. <clears throat> so back on 72, it says, um, 
This is perhaps difficult, doing the fifth step, especially discussing our defects with another person. We think we will have done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. There is doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. So what they're telling us right now is that us holding on to our secrets and me thinking that I can work the steps by myself and I can work my way through the, the minefield of, of sobriety by myself is insufficient. It's not gonna work, it's not gonna happen. And I'm gonna lie to myself the whole time. I'm gonna cut every corner I can cut. I'm gonna try to get the biggest bang for the buck by doing the littlest amount of work possible. Um, and here they're gonna say the words, another person, another person, another person, another person, self, solitary self-appraisal, insufficient, somebody else, somebody, um, within two pages of the book. And I think it's because we don't know how to do that. And it's hard to do that. Uh, and we don't want to do it. I mean, we're filled with all the shame and the guilt and the remorse. But we have to do it. What's really important is, is if you think about what we learn when we formally do step four, then five, and six, and seven, and eight, and then nine, those six steps become the tenth step. So if, if a solitary self-appraisal is insufficient in my fifth step, when I formally did my fifth step, which was for me in August of 1987, then it's gonna be insufficient in my 10th step. I can't be doing my 10th step in my head and thinking that I've actually successfully completed my 10th step because the fifth step is part of it. Um, that's something that people overlook all the time. All right, we'll be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. The best reason first, if we skip this vital, which life and death step, we may not overcome drinking. Time and time again, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they have turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, so most of the time, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. We think the reason is that they never completed their house cleaning. They took inventory all right, but they hung on some of the worst items in stock. So if I went back to the grocery store, if I am trying to clean up my grocery store and bring new patrons into the grocery store, and I've got fresh bread, and I've got cans of Campbell's soup that are, you know, won't expire for five years, and I've got salads and fruits and vegetables and everything looks great. But in the back of the store, the meat section hasn't been changed in three years. And there's just flies and maggots, it's brown and green and it smells all the way to Kentucky. No one's gonna come to my store to buy anything. Um, I can't hold on to the rotten smelly meat in the back of the grocery store and think that I'm running a spiritually fit grocery store um, so I've, I've got to take care of the worst items in stock, and those are the things that people don't want to talk about. It's sometimes really intense stuff. It could be a rape. It could be molestation. It could be a serious felony. There's a lot of that stuff that happens to, to folks in the rooms, and it becomes um, really difficult to talk about it, so they don't. And then they invariably, according to the book, get drunk. So we end up with that spot again where if you buy into what they're selling in the big book, I have a mental obsession, I'm beyond human aid. If I don't get rid of this stuff, and I don't keep growing with this on a daily basis, my mind is gonna tell me that I can drink safely, I'm gonna pick up the first drink like it's water, the physical craving will kick in, and I'm gonna be off and running. So in order to prevent that, I gotta do the work. Um, so these people only thought that they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, Fearlessness and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all of their life story. And their life story means their fourth step. Not really their life story. I think all their meaning was what we just wrote down in the four columns of the fourth step. Um, we know we're a, we live a double life. They talk about that on, on 73 and we're trying to get us to just take that risk and sit down with the right person and do the work. On page 74, this is one of those weird pages that has been replaced with the advent of sponsorship and the, you know, the, the 80 years since. Um, and the reality is they're gonna give you all kinds of ideas. Like, uh, if I can't find the right person, I'm gonna tell my wife a, a sliver of it, I'm gonna tell my best friend a sliver of it, I'm gonna tell my boss a sliver of it, but I'm not gonna tell him about the other part because I was, I was actually stealing from him. 
and I'm not going to tell my wife about the part that I was cheating on her about, so I'll tell that to my boss, right? And so they're saying, look, we're 100 people. We're 100 men and women, and we'll help each other, but if you're in a situation where you can't find one of us and you need to do your fifth step, you got to find somebody who's appropriate. So they give us, they rattle off some ideas. It could be a priest, a rabbi, a minister, or whatever. And then they, they assume in the big book that that person doesn't know what we're doing. It, we have to, so think about it. I'm two weeks sober. I've done my fourth step because it's 1939. I live in Utah and there's nobody else in the program. So I'm gonna, it tells me what to do, right? So it says, uh, when we decide who is to hear our story, my fourth step, we waste no time. We have, written in, we have a written inventory and we are prepared for a long talk. We explain to our partner what we are about to do and why we have to do it. So it could be my postal carrier. It could be my priest in Utah. And he has no idea what's happening here. But I have the information in front of me. That's kind of dicey in 1939. If you think about how lucky we are in Alcoholics Anonymous in 2018, that we don't have to explain to that person who is, should be our sponsor um, what we're about to do. Could it be a priest or a minister? Sure. But there's, there's trade-offs. And the trade-off is if my guys don't do their fist step with me, um, then I can't zero in on their character defects with them when they have all their issues in their life. If they run off and they do it with a priest, which is fine, you can do whatever you want to do, I'm missing that little piece of the puzzle. I can always just wing it because it's what that guy's doing in his 10th step anyway. It's not my 10th step. Um, but it certainly helps if we can, if we can do it with a sponsor. Again, that there's no hard and fast rule in the book. Tells us you can go find your postal carrier if you want. It's a really horrible idea. Um, and in, in 1939, if that's the only thing you can do in the state of Utah, then do it. Um, but here it's telling us something different. He, this person, should realize that we are engaged upon a life and death errand. Most people approaching this way will be glad to help. They'll be honored by our confidence. But I have a sponsor who sobered up in 1961, and that's who I did it with. It says we pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twisted character, every dark cranny of the past. Close the book. Four, five-hour conversation. And that's what I did. I sat down with Jimmy, and we walked through it, and he kept moving me to the fourth column of the fourth step. And by the time that I was done with that conversation, four or five hours later, I was acutely aware of what my problem is. My problem is my character defects. Um, it's a very simple equation. You know, if, you ever, if you guys have ever been on a boat or seen boats coming into a harbor, um, they have, I'll probably get it wrong, but you have the red buoy at night on the left and the green buoy on the, on the right. And you just follow a road on the water into the harbor. That's pretty simple, and that's what this is. What we hear a lot of times when people make this convoluted, there's like 40,000 lights on the harbor, and you don't know which road to take into the harbor. We want to avoid that at all costs in Alcoholics Anonymous. So if we can keep this simple and just stick to the book and stick to the instructions that are in front of us, we tend to get the results that we need to get. Now here's the results on 75 with the book. Once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look at the world in the eye. <clears throat> we can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. <clears throat> we may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. For me, um, I didn't feel practically any of that. And everyone's going to have a different response to this. What I felt was, oh my God, I got a lot of work to do, and I don't like the guy that I've just learned, but I do have a baseline. Um, it's, a, it's a new relationship now with myself that I hadn't seen prior. Um, and from that point forward, I have the, key to the, to the, the keys to the freedom, like I said, because the character defects show up in every step from here on out. Um, again, the only thing I think I relate to in that paragraph is the personality change had started. So there's one last piece of the fifth step. And this is the only place in the big book where it tells us to wait on working the 12 steps. And it says, returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. So it doesn't say, after my fifth step, wait like a year to do the sixth step, or wait a month, or wait a week. It doesn't even say wait a day. It says, take an hour, 
to make sure the first five proposals are, are lined up. Make sure you are as thorough as on, and as honest as you can be, and you're not gonna remember everything. I, had, I was told, I had a memory when I was 15 years sober um, that I was like, whoa, and I dealt with it in the 10th step. And when I was 25 years sober, someone told me I shot them with a high-powered BB gun, and the BB was still in their leg. I have no recollection of that at all, and I dealt with the 10th step to deal with that. So we're not going to be perfect, but if we can at least look at the first five proposals and make sure we haven't intentionally omitted that thing that we think is so embarrassing that I'm going to take it to my grave. You've got to do the best we can. Um, the other key with that, and I think why the first 100 were so clear about it, is then we go on to step six an hour later. And the reason why we do that is, is step six is going to be you know, this willingness to have my character defects removed. If I wait six months after my fifth step or three months or a month, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forget. But if I'm one hour afterwards, I am acutely aware of my problem. And it's so clear because my sponsor walked me through that fourth column of the fourth step. So for me, that's it. If we can focus on that and do the fifth step in that order to get to the fourth column of the fourth step, understanding the character defects, that's the thing that's gonna think about it. If the character defects remain spinning around in my system, I'm spiritually bankrupt. If I'm spiritually bankrupt, the mental obsession is gonna be present and tell me to drink. If I can remove those character defects and get spiritually healthy, the character defects are removed, I'm spiritually healthy, the mental obsession is removed. And I don't have to worry about the first drink. I can live a sober, recovered life on a daily basis. All right, that was, um, 15 minutes, I think. Done. Let's do it. All right, step five. <clears throat> All right, admit it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. <laughs> so when we start, um, when I take my guys through the steps, I, I take them right through the book, right? We've confirmed today that you cannot sponsor without the big book, right? Okay, good. And we sometimes see that in the program. So chapter six, into action, it's not entitled, not, it's not into thinking, um, it's into action. And, and we're gonna take some action in steps five through 11 in this chapter um, to get us really where we need to be going, which is again, the removal of that mental obsession. And so I'm gonna just start reading on, on 72. It says, having made our personal inventory in step four, what are we gonna do about it? We've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator and just discover the obstacles in our path, the things that have been blocking us, mostly character defects. We have admitted certain defects. We have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We have put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory, which are the defects. Now these are about to be cast out. This requires action on our part, which when completed will mean that we have admitted to God to ourselves and to another person um, the exact nature of our defects. So the only way for the character defects to be cast out is through action. And that first part of that action after the fourth step is gonna be this, this intimate conversation. And for me, the fifth step wasn't me sitting down with my sponsor and like unloading a big garbage bag of Kevin Mooney to my sponsor and having him just sit there listening to me. Um, it was a very specific two-way discussion. Um, and here's what it started looking like when I started it. We read, I'm gonna read a little more, but when I started it, I, uh, I started talking about my resentments and I wanted to tell the stories. I wanted to talk about my boss and how much I hated him and blah, 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 blah. And he moved me to the fourth column of the fourth step and it was really hard. And then I thought to myself, well, with the next one, I'm gonna be talking because that's my girlfriend. And then I talked about my girlfriend and blah, 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 and he just like cranked me over. I'm like, ah. And then I came back over, the other girlfriend. Ugh. And then he moved me over. And before I knew it, this pattern of shifting really quick started where I got to a point where I was naming the person, telling them what, what they did or what the cause was, how it affected me, and then boom. We were spending a lot of time on me being selfish and dishonest and inconsiderate and full of fear. And that, by the time I was done with my fifth step, I knew that 99% of what I had written down in four and what I just talked about in five was of my own making. And what a great, what a great realization. I can't change anybody in this room, um, but if I work and I do the action that I'm asked to do in the steps as it's outlined in the big book, then me and my higher power, we can change me 
by me doing the work and God providing the power. Um, and so the key to that is, is exactly that point. I got a baseline <clears throat> out of my fist step and I met someone who I had never known before, someone I'd been hiding from and running away from, and quite frankly, someone who I didn't like very much. I, uh, I remembered being 12 years old and, and um, I, was, I was an all-American kid. I wasn't uncomfortable in my own skin. I thought I could run the country better than Ronald Reagan. And, uh, you know, seven years later, I'm flat on my back in Alcoholics Anonymous, filled with shame and guilt and remorse, and I can't stand looking in the mirror. Um, so I got a real good look at, at who I was, and, and uh, I'm going to walk you through how I, how I did that. <clears throat> so back on 72, it says, um, this is perhaps difficult, doing the fist step, especially discussing our defects with another person. We think we will have done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. There is doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. So what they're telling us right now is that us holding on to our secrets and me thinking that I can work the steps by myself and I can work my way through the, the minefield of, of sobriety by myself is insufficient. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. And I'm going to lie to myself the whole time. I'm going to cut every corner I can cut. I'm going to try to get the biggest bang for the buck by doing the littlest amount of work possible. Um, and here they're going to say the words, another person, another person, another person, another person, self, solitary self-appraisal, insufficient, somebody else, somebody, um, within two pages of the book. And I think it's because we don't know how to do that. And it's hard to do that. Uh, and we don't want to do it. I mean, we're filled with all the shame and the guilt and the remorse. But we have to do it. What's really important is, is if you think about what we learn when we formally do step four, then five, and six, and seven, and eight, and then nine, those six steps become the tenth step. So if, if a solitary self-appraisal is insufficient in my fifth step, when I formally did my fifth step, which was for me in August of 1987, then it's going to be insufficient in my tenth step. I can't be doing my 10th step in my head and thinking that I've actually successfully completed my 10th step because the fifth step is part of it. Um, that's something that people overlook all the time. All right, we'll be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. The best reason first, if we skip this vital, which life and death, step, we may not overcome drinking. Time and time again, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they have turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, so most of the time, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. We think the reason is that they never completed their house cleaning. They took inventory all right, but they hung on some of the worst items in stock. So if I went back to the grocery store, if I am trying to clean up my grocery store and bring new patrons into the grocery store, and I've got fresh bread, and I've got cans of Campbell's soup that are, you know, won't expire for five years, and I've got salads and fruits and vegetables, and everything looks great. But in the back of the store, the meat section hasn't been changed in three years, and there's just flies and maggots. It's brown and green, and it smells all the way to Kentucky. No one's going to come to my store to buy anything. Um, I can't hold on to the rotten, smelly meat in the back of the grocery store and think that I'm running a spiritually fit grocery store. Um, so I, I've got to take care of the worst items in stock and those are the things that people don't want to talk about. It's sometimes really intense stuff. It could be a rape, it could be molestation, it could be a serious felony. There's a lot of that stuff that happens to, to folks in the rooms and it becomes um, really difficult to talk about it so they don't. And then they invariably, according to the book, get drunk. So we end up with that spot again where if you buy into what they're selling in the big book, I have a mental obsession. I am beyond human aid. If I don't get rid of this stuff and I don't keep growing with this on a daily basis, my mind is going to tell me that I can drink safely. I'm going to pick up the first drink like it's water. The physical craving will kick in and I'm going to be off and running. So in order to prevent that, i got to do the work. Um, so these people only thought that they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, 
fearlessness and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all of their life story. And their life story means their fourth step. Not really their life story. I think all their meaning was what we just wrote down in the four columns of the fourth step. Um, we know we're a, we live a double life. They talk about that on, on 73, and we're trying to get us to just take that risk and sit down with the right person and do the work. On page 74, this is one of those weird pages that has been replaced with the advent of sponsorship and the, you know, the, the 80 years since. Um, and the reality is they're going to give you all kinds of ideas. Like, uh, if I can't find the right person, I'm going to tell my wife a, a sliver of it. I'm going to tell my best friend a sliver of it. I'm going to tell my boss a sliver of it. But I'm not going to tell him about the other part because I was, I was actually stealing from him. And I'm not going to tell my wife about the part that I was cheating on her about. So I'll tell that to my boss. Right? And so they're saying, look, we're 100 people. We're 100 men and women. And we'll help each other. But if you're in a situation where you can't find one of us and you need to do your fifth step, you got to find somebody who's appropriate. So they give us, they rattle off some ideas. It could be a priest, a rabbi, a minister, or whatever. And then they, they assume in the big book that that person doesn't know what we're doing. It, we have to... So think about it. I'm two weeks sober. I've done my fourth step because it's 1939. I live in Utah, and there's nobody else in the program. So I'm gonna. It tells me what to do, right? So it says, uh, when we decide who is to hear our story, my fourth step, we waste no time. We have written. In, we have a written inventory, and we are prepared for a long talk. We explain to our partner what we are about to do and why we have to do it. So it could be my postal carrier. It could be my priest in Utah, and he has no idea what's happening here, but I have the information in front of me. That's kind of dicey in 1939. If you think about how lucky we are in Alcoholics Anonymous in 2018, that we don't have to explain to that person who is, should be our sponsor um, what we're about to do. Could it be a priest or a minister? Sure. But there's, there's trade-offs, and the trade-off is if my guys don't do their fist step with me, um, then I can't zero in on their character defects with them when they have all their issues in their life. If they run off and they do it with a priest, which is fine, you can do whatever you want to do, I'm missing that little piece of the puzzle. I can always just wing it, because it's what that guy's doing in his 10th step anyway. It's not my 10th step. Um, but it certainly helps if we, can, if we can do it with a sponsor. Again, that, there's no hard and fast rule, and the book tells us you can go find your postal carrier if you want. It's a really horrible idea. Um, and in, in 1939, if that's the only thing you can do in the state of Utah, then do it. Um, but here it's telling us something different. He, this person, should realize that we are engaged upon a life and death errand. Most people approach in this way will be glad to help. They'll be honored by our confidence. But I have a sponsor who sobered up in 1961, and that's who I did it with. It says we pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Close the book for a five-hour conversation. And that's what I did. I sat down with Jimmy and we walked through it and he kept moving me to the fourth column of the fourth step. And by the time that I was done with that conversation, four or five hours later, I was acutely aware of what my problem is. My problem is my character defects. Um, it's a very simple equation. You know, if, you ever, if you guys have ever been on a boat or seen boats coming into a harbor, um, they have, I'll probably get it wrong, but you have the red buoy at night on the left and the green buoy on the on the right and you just follow a road on the water into the harbor that's pretty simple and that's what this is what we hear a lot of times when people make this convoluted there's like 40,000 lights on the harbor and you don't know which road to take into the harbor we want to avoid that at all costs in Alcoholics Anonymous so if we can keep this simple and just stick to the book and stick to the instructions that are in front of us we tend to get the results that we need to get now here's the results on 75 with the book. Once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look at the world in the eye. <clears throat> we can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. For me, um, I didn't feel practically any of that. And everyone's going to have a different response to this. 
what I felt was, oh my God, I got a lot of work to do. And I don't like the guy that I've just learned, but I do have a baseline. Um, it's, a, it's a new relationship now with myself that I hadn't seen prior. Um, and from that point forward, I have the key to the, fr- to the, the keys to the freedom, like I said, because the character defects show up in every step from here on out. Um, again, the only thing I think I relate to in that paragraph is the personality change had started. So there's one last piece of the fifth step. And this is the only place in the big book where it tells us to wait on working the 12 steps. And it says, returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. So it doesn't say, after my fifth step, wait like a year to do the sixth step, or wait a month, or wait a week. It doesn't even say wait a day. It says take an hour to make sure the first five proposals are, are lined up. Make sure you are as thorough as on, and as honest as you can be. And you're not going to remember everything. I had, I was told I had a memory when I was 15 years sober um, that I was like, whoa, and I dealt with it in the 10th step. And when I was 25 years sober, someone told me I shot them with a high-powered BB gun, and the BB was still in their leg. I have no recollection of that at all, and I dealt with the 10th step to deal with that. So we're not going to be perfect, but if we can at least look at the first five proposals and make sure we haven't intentionally omitted that thing that we think is so embarrassing that I'm going to take it to my grave. You got to do the best we can. Um, the other key with that, and I think why the first 100 were so clear about it, is then we go on to step six an hour later. And the reason why we do that is, is step six is going to be you know, this willingness to have my character defects removed. If I wait six months after my fifth step or three months or a month, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget. But if I'm one hour afterwards, I am acutely aware of my problem. And it's so clear because my sponsor walked me through that fourth column of the fourth step. So for me, that's it. If we can focus on that and do the fifth step in that order to get to the fourth column of the fourth step, understanding the character defects, that's the thing that's going to think about it. If the character defects remain spinning around in my system, I'm spiritually bankrupt. If I'm spiritually bankrupt, the mental obsession is going to be present and tell me to drink. If I can remove those character defects and get spiritually healthy, the character defects are removed. I'm spiritually healthy. The mental obsession is removed. And I don't have to worry about the first drink. I can live a sober, recovered life on a daily basis. All right, that was um, 15 minutes, I think. Done.